Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Is that me? Yeah. No, it's not me. Um, okay, so, yeah. Okay, thanks, Jayla. Um, and... And so we've been we've been focusing on that um, for a few weeks. Uh, let me just ask if you have since we've been focusing on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, just just indicate if maybe you've been um, able to identify a little bit more some of your gifts. You've been practicing them a bit, particularly if you think last week we did a time where we just spoke in tongues. I just want to know whether whether we're doing anything or whether I'm just every week I'm just chatting. So just put your hands up if you feel a bit more confident in the gifts and you're operating them a little bit more. Okay, a few, a few of us have been able to acknowledge that. that that's good. Um, and I just want to encourage that because I have become, and this is how it kind of works with me, I delve into the scripture and then I become convinced of something or convicted by something. And I have become convinced and convicted that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are essential for us today. There's often often a question, are the gifts of the Holy Spirit available today? They are essential for the church today, that we cannot do the things that we're called to do without them, that when that prophecy was spoken in Joel and Peter repeated it in Acts, when God said, I will pour out my, my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, That was real and true. It wasn't just said for that moment and it wasn't just said for Pentecost. It was said for all of us. There is a need for us to be very familiar with the Holy Spirit and and very comfortable and at ease working with the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that is partly why we're doing what we're doing. And if you're not feeling familiar or comfortable, if you're thinking to yourself, my goodness, I don't even know what gifts I have. I don't even know what you're talking about. You need to talk to somebody because it is essential for the church. It's one of the things that marks the church out is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we've been looking at that for for weeks now. I hope for those of you that were able to say, yeah, yeah, I've I've been encouraged by it. I've been equipped by it, that that continues. But I pray that more of us will feel that, um, you know, even 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 this morning. So. Today we move to another passage. Last week we looked at 1 Corinthians 14, uh, part 1. And you didn't know there was a part 1, but it was part 1. And uh, this week it's 1 Corinthians 14, part 2. Um, and yeah, so I'm going to read this passage and then let's see where we go. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three at most should speak one at a time and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, The speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. 
And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Women, uh, I'll explain this because in the, the modern world, this is like, what are you saying? But I'm just reading what the Bible says, then I will explain. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the spirit, let them acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they will themselves be ignored. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to you and we're so grateful that you have uh, led us these last few weeks to focus on the gifts and focus on our groups and focus on identifying the gifts that we might be taught into them, that we might ask you for them and we might practice them. And Father, you know, it's my prayer that we become very familiar with the gifts, not in the sense that we become over familiar but we become very familiar with using the gifts. And I thank you, Father, for those who have been encouraged and equipped to use their gifts more in this place. And I pray for even more of that. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's important that when you uh, read a passage of scripture, and you'll see when, uh, when I speak about this, that you don't, you don't ignore the bits that are difficult. Yeah? Um, and and you don't judge the bits that are difficult simply by the world in which you live. You must judge the scripture by the scripture. So you don't say, oh, that no longer applies simply because the world has changed. It may not apply, but we need to make sure it doesn't apply for the right reason, because culture is always changing. And so um, as we go through, hopefully you'll understand um, how we can apply what the Bible actually says. So this passage begins with this phrase I just picked out. Um, uh, I mean, above some of the, the passages that you read or in some of the versions, it says like the order of worship. So if you like, this is the closest that we have to a worship format in the Bible. Yeah, there aren't many uh, uh, um, sort of uh, examples of it, but this is the closest that we have. So we're going to walk through what is suggested in 1 Corinthians to the church in Corinth about how they should function as a community together. Because that is what we are, just as they were a community together. That's exactly what we are. The first thing that it says is when you come together. And it would be very easy to gloss over that, but I can't gloss over that because I think this is so important. And what's so important 
is that the people of God gather. It is really important that they do that, that you are not meant to be Christians on your own, doing your own thing, that you're Christian in a community. Yeah, you're a member of a family, you're part of a body. The Bible uses all those kinds of descriptions to say, look, it, it's about a coming together. It's not meant to be on your own when you come together, not if you come together. Yeah, if you don't belong to a church, find a church. Yeah. Find a church, find a community of God's people that you can belong to, that you can know and you can be known. Yeah, it's not enough to think to yourself, well, you know, I sometimes I go to church and I sit at the back. I just observe, see what's going down. No, no, this is not about observing and seeing what's going down. This is about knowing and being known. If you are not known, you're not part of a family. Yeah. So I have with all our kids have come back from university in different places. And so we're, so we're all back in the house and they, the girls know me. It's not like they've come back into a house and we're like, who are you? Yeah, we know them and they know us. Yeah, and that brings with it challenges as well as joys, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, but for me, this is really important because the, one of the dangers that we have is that church can become like a social club. Yeah, that you go to church because that's just what you do on Sundays. And actually, the benefits are there are people that you know and all that kind of stuff. I, I play badminton most Saturdays. Yeah. That's like a social club. Yeah. Some weeks I don't go and some weeks I go. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if I go. I don't know them very well, but I go and I play badminton every week. Please, please, please don't treat church like that. Yeah. If I treated church like my badminton club, woe betide. Not that I'm bad there or that it doesn't matter, but, but I'm not invested there in the same way. Because I'm not building a body. Yeah, it's not the people of God. It's not the family of God. It's not the place where I'm there to be known. It's a place for sort of leisure and exercise and all those things. And those are important and relationships are important. But over and above your leisure, over and above your personal need for relationship is the family of God. Yeah, it's the people of God that come together when you come together. Please don't ever give up on that. Please don't ever get to the point where you think that's something that you do when you want to. And that other times you do other things. That is not the purpose of it. Yeah. And even back in the scriptures, there was a fight for the people of God coming together. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And my thing is, let, let's fight to keep meeting together. Let's not give up on it. Now, what it says is when you come together, so there's this gathering when, when they have worshipped together, each of you has. Each of you has. Yeah. And this, again, is really important because sometimes when we come together, some of us don't have anything. Yeah. In fact, we have an expectation that people will do something for me. Yeah. When we come together, you will give me something. And if you don't, I'm off. Yeah. No. When you come together, each of you has. Imagine. So this morning we had different people taking part and, and, and Hannah prayed, uh, led us in prayer, which was really great. She'd not done that before. And so imagine if, if you know, if I asked you to lead in prayer in that kind of way, you're not just going to turn up because I know I know what you're like. You're not just going to turn up and go, yo, yeah, I'll just yeah. When I'm there, I'll just do it. Yeah. No, you're going to be like, oh, okay. 
I have something to bring. How am I going to prepare myself for the thing I'm going to bring? Or if I asked you to preach or to, to lead the kids, you're not just going to walk up on the Sunday and say, yo, yeah, where? No, you're going to prepare. You're going to be, you're going to be, oh God, help me. Lord, I want to help the people. And you're going to think about it. You're going to focus on it. And you're going to come to church thinking to yourself, I have something to bring here. Yeah. Do you know what? We should all come like that every week. Yeah. It's not just when somebody, oh, I'm on the road today to do something. However I come, oh, I'm not on the road today. Thank the Lord. I can just be there at the back and do my thing. No, this is not be there at the back, do my thing, church. This is each of you has. Each of you has something and each week you should come diligently prepared with even a few moments on your knees or before the Lord saying, God, what is it you have for me to bring today? Because each of us have. Yeah. And it's easy, you know, because you're like, well, you're the pastor. and You're going to say, do you know, I used to be like that. I'm not being funny. Yeah. Before I was ever a pastor. I was a regular church goer and I was a regular church. Yeah, I was one of those people. Yeah, I went to church all the time. Yeah, I, I contributed all the time. That was me. Yeah, you remember, I've told you before, my testimony would be that when I was a teenager, I used to pray at home for the confidence to pray in the prayer meeting. Yeah, because I couldn't pray in the prayer meeting. I'll tell you at home, God, I just, I just want the confidence. When they go around the corner, they're going to oh, come to me. I'm going to pray. I have the confidence to pray. Yeah, because I had no confidence to pray, but I wanted to contribute. I wanted to play my part. I've always been that guy. Yeah, it's not just because I'm the pastor. Yeah, each of you has each week you have something to bring. Spend your two, three, five minutes, ten minutes, an hour if you're really big on this before you come. God, what is it I have to bring? Because do you know what? If you come with that attitude, it will change everything. It will change everything about how you think about church. Because you won't be coming thinking to yourself, hmm, yeah, what's God going to do today? What am I going to observe? What am I going to No, you'll be coming, okay, fuck. What do I need to bring? It's very, very different. And it says, what do you have? Yes, it's not just that you have money or anything. You have a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. There are a variety of gifts which should be displayed through a variety of people. Yeah. Now, please don't mishear me. Next week we come and everyone's now right. OK, I'm going to bring my thing. And, and then they were all trying to speak and we're here. It's two o'clock and people are saying, I still haven't had my moment. Yeah. It's not like that. <laughs> yeah. Because each of us come with something. But as the service goes on, it might be that the thing that you it doesn't come out. And that's fine. Yeah, it's not like, oh, this week I've been telling you a couple of weeks now. I don't know what's going on. It's not about your, your, you know, you and your thing. It's about how do we build up the body? But each of us should come prepared and ready to make some kind of contribution when we come together. Yeah. And it's not just about, um, you know, I, I'm on, I, I do the welcome team. Owen. Come on. It's about when we come together like this. We all have a part to play. There are not spiritual people and unspiritual people in the church. Please. We're all spiritual people. Yeah. Because if you're a Christian, you're a spiritual person because you only got faith in Christ because of what Jesus has done. That's a spiritual thing. Yeah. It's not like, well, no, I'm not one of those. Spirit I'm, I'm in the background. I just want to do some physical stuff. No, we're all spiritual people. We all have a contribution to make. 
We all have a part to play. Each of you has, and we have something that tells us, a hymn, a word, or, or any of those things. We know, because we've looked at it for a few weeks, tongues and prophecy are two of the main gifts that the Bible talks about. Yeah, Last week we talked about tongues, and I encourage people to speak in tongues because it edifies you. Yeah, It helps you. To speak in tongues. And then when we do that in the meeting, often if someone brings a tongue, we're praying that there's an interpretation and that there are people who who have the gift or are praying for that gift. God, give me the gift of interpretation of tongues. So when someone brings a tongue, there's something in me that immediately says, oh, I know what I know what the Lord's saying. I know what we're to say. I know how to pray. So these gifts need to be used in an orderly way. Yeah, so we're not just going crazy doing our own thing. It's an orderly way. God is a God of order, not of chaos. Yeah, but variety of people, variety of gifts builds up the church. That's what we should be aiming for. That's what we're looking to do. And then it says that when a prophetic word comes, the others weigh that carefully. The others. I love that. There was a film called The Others, wasn't it? It's a bit bit mysterious. Um, But here it just means the others who are present. Yeah. So if you bring a prophetic word, it's not for you to weigh that prophetic word. Yeah. The others weigh. If you bring a prophetic word, you're, that, that's your obedience. Yeah. You, you, you think God's given me a word. You bring the word. That's the step of obedience that you take. Other people weigh that. But that doesn't need to be, you know, in the moment of worship, it doesn't need to be that we then go, oh, okay, someone's brought a word. What do we all think? It's not that kind of way in necessarily. Yeah, you can just weigh it in your spirit. That just seems right to me. That seems good to us. That's taken us somewhere. That's encouraged us. So we don't need to try and uh, manufacture sort of teams of people to think about and weigh things. But the others weigh what is brought. And if you bring it, you don't weigh what you bring. Other people weigh what you bring. And then the Bible tells us that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And why is that important? That's important because in some church circles and settings, not not our one in particular, um, when people get filled with the Holy Spirit or they get taken by the Spirit, they can they can appear to lose control of themselves and they're they're speaking out, maybe in tongues or they're prophesying out, and it and it all can seem a little bit chaotic. And if you're not used to it, a little bit uncomfortable. The Bible says the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, which means that that should never happen to you, really. That you have control over what you say and what you do. Yeah. God gives you control. So which is why it says if somebody is prophesying or speaking in tongues and someone else feels they have a word and they stand, this person sits down. Now, OK, we don't we're not trying to mirror that. So please understand what you know, you're standing up or I'll sit down now. Because we're not trying to sort of mirror it in that kind of way. But you get the picture of there is order and there is control. Yeah. So people aren't feeling uncomfortable because they don't know what's going to happen next, because God is a God of order. God is a God of peace. <laughs> Yeah. God brought order out of chaos. Yeah. That's what he did at the very beginning. The creative God is not a God without order. He is a God with great order and great uh, control over things. Even though he's creative, creative is not a, a not a word to describe oh, when you don't really have any boundaries. No, creative. God is creative, but he is creative with order and with peace. 
and it's an important characteristic of God. And then this passage tells us that women should remain silent. Yeah. And at this point, I could just walk off and you go, well, what do you mean? What do you think? What do you think about that? And clearly, in our church, we don't quite believe that. Yeah. Because everyone who contributed up here today, apart from me, was a woman. It wasn't, I didn't plan it like that. <laughs> but that is literally just how it happened today. Some weeks it will be all men. Some weeks it will be all women. Some weeks they'll look like this. Some weeks they'll look like that. In, in that sense, we don't, we don't manufacture that. What does this mean? And it's one of those challenging passages. And, and you know what I now do with challenging passages? And some of you will know this. And, I, and let me just be honest how I, how I handle. I say, well, okay. Yeah, there's passages in the Bible that are not clear. Yeah. Let me focus on the things that are clear. And let me at least be able to understand or contextualize the things that aren't clear. Yeah. I'm not trying to go deep, deep, deep. Yeah. How I see this is this. Even in the most conservative commentaries about this passage, this is not seen as an absolute prohibition of anybody. Yeah, even in the most conservative, even in the people who are trying to take everything literally, they can't take this literally. Yeah. And let me explain why. Three chapters earlier in 1 Corinthians 11, verse five, Paul says, but every woman who prays or prophesies. Oh, Three chapters later, he makes this comment, women should remain silent. Three chapters earlier, every woman who prays or prophesies. Oh, OK, so I now have two things that appear to be contradictory, literally pages from one another in the Bible. Same author, same letter, same people. Yeah, I can't. When you get things like that in the scripture, you cannot overly focus on one over the other. Yeah, you have to go, as my old pastor used to say, this is a divine ambiguity. <laughs> That's what he used to describe it as. Yeah. He called it a divine ambiguity when the Bible seemed to be saying two things. But so not only does it say that in 1 Corinthians 11, in Acts 2, we know it says this. In the last days, this is Peter speaking at Pentecost. I will pour out my spirit on all people. And it is even more specific. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. So whatever Paul might mean, he is not meaning that people cannot prophesy men and women because the Bible specifically says Joel 2 verse 28, where this verse comes from, is one of the central themes of the coming of the Holy Spirit. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, God says. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Acts 21, another passage, says, talks about Philip, the evangelist. And one of the things it says about it is Philip was one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Yeah. Now, if you want to go and find out what Paul really means by this Verse five. I know enough to know. I know enough to know that this is not a prohibition. That this is not something that the Bible is saying you can't do. 
This is not even a hurdle I need to massively get around because Paul seems to be saying two different things in, within a few pages of one another. A divine ambiguity. I'm not going to, if I'm honest, I don't worry too much once I've established this is a divine ambiguity. Yeah, I'm not then worried about it because I'm like, God, if you wanted something that clear, you'd make it really clear. Yeah, the church doesn't question the um, we don't question the church where wherever you are, people don't question that Jesus is the Messiah, do they? The church. Other people do. But in the church, not really. Yeah. For thousands of years, we have all believed the same thing. Jesus is the way of salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because it's really clear. On the things that matter, the Bible is really clear. On the things that actually don't matter so much, it's not so clear. Now, we can all have our view, but you need to hold your view lightly because you see through a glass darkly. Yeah. The heart is deceitful above all things. Yeah. Humanly speaking, we can get it wrong. Yeah. So unless it's really clear, don't don't try and make it to be something. Yeah. And that's a lesson I've had to learn because naturally I'm the kind of guy that would go, right, okay, that's what the Bible says. Yeah. That's that's what I believe. And I'm like, oh actually, but the Bible says oh no, 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 the Bible says this. No, the Bible does say some other things. So we function on the basis that uh, in other scriptures, it talks about people can uh, operate in the gifts, that you can see that the gifts are not exclusive to one kind of race or gender. Uh, because why? Because it's about building up the body. It's about it's about the family coming together. It's about equipping the saints. And God can use anyone to do those things. And he does use anyone to do those things. Now, if you want further discussions, you can come and talk to me. But. That's really what I think about it. I'll just repeat what I've said. Then it tells us, as it has continually said, be eager to prophesy. And let me ask you this question. How many of you are eager to prophesy? How many of you say you're eager? OK, so Martin and Maureen and some other people. Yeah. A few of us. Let me encourage you. The Bible tells you be eager to prophesy. It's an encouragement to pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they build up the church. That's how the church gets built up. It's by the gifts. It doesn't get built up by by human solutions to stuff. Yeah, it doesn't get built up by by, you know, good old sayings, you know, that we just have in life. It gets built up. When we focus on the things that God says we should do and we do them, that's how the church gets built up. You can build yourself up in many other ways. You can speak to yourself and try and get yourself going and all that kind of stuff. But that is not what the Bible does. The Bible gives you truth that will build up the church. And that's what you should focus on. And then it tells us that we should do these things in a fitting and orderly way. Order is important, not because I'm OCD, because in that sense, I'm not OCD, uh, but because it helps to build sustainable and fruitful environments. Order helps. Do you know, if you have kids, you'll soon realise you need order, that you can't do things like, you know, when Paulie and I were, were first dating, we were talking to some friends last night, when we were first uh, going out or friends, we used to go to parties, yeah? I know, and, and my daughter said to me, they say, I can't imagine you at parties now. But I did, I used to go to parties, yeah? And sometimes we would, I would pick Pauline up, or she would pick me up at 11 p.m. to go to the party. 
Yeah, that was not an uncommon. And sometimes it would be like, oh, man, we've got to get to this place. And then they're, they're going down in that place. And I think one night, maybe I think we went to four parties in one on one occasion. Yeah. So we used to go to parties. Yeah. And um, I mean, we, went, I, we didn't do anything. I mean, I wasn't drinking or anything like that. I just used to like parties. Yeah. And but as we not just as we got older, as we began to have children, we discovered, oh, that lifestyle doesn't kind of work. Yeah. Going to parties all the time. What would you do? Just leave the kids at home and just go partying? Or would you, would you wake her, wake up Yasmin when she's six months? Wake up Yasmin, we're off to a party. No, you don't, you don't do that. Yeah? Order helps. It helps to build sustainable and fruitful environments. So we want order in worship, not because we're trying to control everything, but because we want to build a sustainable and fruitful environment where the church gets equipped and built up and people get to use their gifts. Yeah. Two matters of conclusion. And this is just, a, I suppose, an emphasis. The truth is, as I've said, coming together. I've already said that's really important. And when you come together, you have something to bring. Now, I know I'm the pastor. I preach most weeks. What that means for me is that most Sundays I'm up early and I'm praying and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But but I was doing that anyway. And we should do that anyway. Yeah. Even if you don't get up at half five or six o'clock, you get up a few minutes early and you just say, Father. Yeah. That's all, that's all you need to do. Father. Yeah. And your father in heaven will come to you. Yeah. Sometimes the reason sometimes the reason we struggle to get into worship is because we've come from our world and we're walked into the church and we're singing a song. No, Father, make time for father. Yeah. Make time. Having something to bring, as I say, changes your attitude towards church. You don't come thinking to yourself, oh, I'm on this week or whatever. You come, okay, what have I got to bring? I've got a tongue, interpretation. Have I got a prophecy? Have I got a word of encouragement for the people? Am I going to be brave and sing something? Don't feel feel you have to, but if you feel brave to sing something. Our participation is not simply practical. Don't hide behind practical stuff. Yeah? Yeah. You are all spiritual. We are all spiritual. And we've all been renewed. If you're a Christian, you've been renewed. Yeah, You're a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. And why do we do it? Because it builds up the church. It edifies us. And it becomes a witness to the world outside. Yeah, And in the world that we live in today, which is so challenging in some ways, boy, do we need churches that are full of the Holy Spirit. Churches that are full of God. Churches that are faith-filled, courageous and bold. Yeah, We don't just need churches where people are nice. Yeah, We don't just need churches where it's a social environment. We need churches that know God. We need people that know God. We need people that love God above all things. And it doesn't mean you go protesting about everything, but it does mean you pray about everything. Yeah, It means you're on your knees regularly or your head is bowed. I'm not often on my knees, but my head is often bowed. And I'm saying, Father, 
I don't know what's going on in this world, but you do. Yeah. And we need a church like that. There's no point in just having individuals like that. We need the church to be like that. My prayer. This is the second conclusion. The truth is when we come together, my prayer is that we more and more will be those that are full of the Holy Spirit, using the gifts of the Holy Spirit. My prayer is that you will find some way of having your own personal devotional time with God. Yeah, I'd really encourage that. Find, don't, don't think of it as a personality thing. Oh, I'm not that kind of person. No, everyone's that kind of person. Yeah, if you relate, if you're relational with people, if you talk to people, if you ever, ever, ever have a conversation with somebody, it's just you and them, and you didn't have to have it, i.e. it's not work, you didn't have to have it and you do it, you can talk to God. Because you're relational. So I'd encourage you, find time to spend with God. My experience is it's changed everything for me. Everything. Yeah? Even before Pauline, God was in my life. It's changed everything. Many more of us ought to be bringing prophecy, interpreting tongues, bringing words of knowledge. The operation of these gifts will build and strengthen the church. And they will become one of the ways that God uses us to reach others. The gifts of the spirit. Yeah. When you bring a word of knowledge to someone who doesn't know God, they're like, gosh, how did you know that? Well, I didn't know that, but he knows that. Because God is over everything. He's sovereign. One of the encouragements I've had this week is just thinking about the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And how can that be encouraging? But it was encouraging to me this week. Why? Because Abraham prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. And in the end, there weren't there weren't the righteous there to save the city. But God had said, if there if there are ten righteous, I'll save the city. So I think, God, you're not going to destroy our city because there are more than ten righteous here. There are more than ten righteous here. And if the righteous pray, if the righteous seek His face, then then God can turn things around. Yeah, even in the world in which we live, He can do that. But He needs the righteous. He needs a community. He needs a body. He needs a people. That's how he does it. The church is important. It's not a social club. It's a body that you're a part of. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for just your goodness and your grace. And Lord, that that thanks is very deep. It's very personal because I've I've experienced your goodness and your grace. I've experienced what it is to be loved by you. And it's wonderful, God. And Father, I am praying and continually pray that you will build a community that is full of your goodness and your grace. I pray that you will do that in this community. I pray, Father, that you will do something in us, whether it's shifting a mindset or changing something about how we think or whatever it might be that is needed. I pray you would do it here. 
I pray for every person here and every person who calls Beacon their church. I, I pray, Father, that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them courage and boldness. I pray that in their workplaces, whether they're at school or college or wherever they might be, that they might be lights of the gospel in that place. And Father, they would wait for you to to bring about opportunities for them to speak. It's not always about rushing in and trying to and trying to share everything. God, I pray for wisdom for your church. I pray for boldness for your church. And I pray, Father, that as we focus on the gifts, that you will um, supernaturally equip us in ways that we could never have imagined. I pray that we will begin to to seek you personally. I pray for that. I pray for a church that is personal in its relationship with you. It's not related to anyone else or anything else. And Father, I ask that that you be with us this week. I pray, Holy Spirit, guide and direct us, each one. In Jesus' name. Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.